St. Peter told us this morning, You were redeemed from your empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, not with things that passed away, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without blemish or spot. Amen. My dear Christian friends, Miss Jones was a teacher who was working in the children's hospital. One day she was asked to visit a young boy named Charlie who was in the burn unit. The teacher in the school had asked Miss Jones, please go and visit Charlie and teach him about nouns and adverbs so that he doesn't get far behind the rest of the class. So the next day, Miss Jones went to the burn unit in the hospital. Charlie was in a, cl- a clean room. And when she went in, he was all wrapped up in bandages. And you could tell that he was in pain. She introduced herself and then gave the purpose for the visit, saying, I'm the hospital teacher. I'm Miss Jones. Your school teacher has asked me to come and visit you and teach you about nouns and adverbs. The next day, Miss Jones was in the hospital, and a nurse came and found her and asked, What did you say to Charlie? Miss Jones had no idea what the nurse was talking about. And the nurse continued, We were so worried about Charlie, but ever since you visited him, his whole outlook has changed. For the first time since he's been here, he's fighting, he's responding, he's got a new lease on life. A while later, Charlie confided in his parents that he had felt hopeless and helpless. But then everything changed when Miss Jones came to teach him. He told his parents that he knew that there must be hope because his school would not spend the time and money on sending a teacher to teach nouns and adverbs to a dying boy. Pretty perceptive, don't you think? In our gospel lesson, we heard about two disciples that are walking on a dusty road on Sunday afternoon toward Emmaus, a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem. Their talk concerns the crucified Jesus. They have a dirge-like pace to them. And their attitude is like they've just come from a funeral. And in essence, they have. Jesus' funeral. They walk as if they have lost all hope. These two disciples have staked their lives on Jesus. They've staked everything on him. They thought he was the one. A prophet who was powerful in word and deed. Someone who was healing the sick. That was making the blind see. The deaf hear. The lame walk. The leprous clean. The demon-possessed, dispossessed, and even raising the dead. They thought that he was the promised Messiah, the one who was going to redeem Israel. And then in one weekend, everything changed. Their hopes were dashed. Jesus was dead and buried. And now... His body was nowhere to be seen. They had heard rumors from the women that they had gone to the tomb and it was empty except for two angels that were talking to them. And so the disciples weren't provided any comfort with this news. And then they heard from Peter and John that they had raced to the tomb. John made sure everyone knew that he had beaten Peter there and that the tomb was empty and everything was folded up neatly inside with all the burial cloths. And this just left these two Emmaus disciples even more confused. 
it all seemed so hopeless. These two disciples were hoping for a golden throne, but they received a bloody cross. They were hoping for glory and honor, but Jesus bowed his thorn-crowned head in humility. They were hoping for glorious triumph. Jesus gave them a dark tomb. They were hoping for the answer to all of their prayers, but they were praying for the wrong results. They were pray- praying for the kingdom of Israel to come. But through Jesus' suffering and crucifixion and his corpse being placed in the tomb, that was how Jesus was going to bring about his kingdom. How foolish they were and slow of heart to believe. Their walk is slow, but their questions come quickly. How could Judas do do that? Why wasn't Peter stronger? Why did the high priest hate Jesus so much? Why couldn't Pontius Pilate stand up to the mob? What did Jesus go to Jerusalem for anyhow? What do we do now? And then, just then, a stranger walked up behind them and interrupted them, saying, I'm sorry, but I couldn't help but overhear. What are the two of you talking about? The two Disciples stop and stare at the stranger. The other pilgrims on the road, they have to walk around the three of them that are stopped in the middle of the road. Finally, the one named Cleopas asks, where have you been the last few days? Haven't you heard about what happened to Jesus of Nazareth? And then he filled the stranger in and all of the news from that past week. This is a fascinating scene. Two sincere disciples telling how the last nail had been driven into Israel's coffin. And God in disguise listens patiently. I imagine Jesus is standing there with his nail-scarred hands tucked even deeper into the pockets of his robe. He must have been touched by their faithfulness. But he also must have been hurt by a a bit hurt by them because here he had been to hell and back in order to bring heaven down to those who believed in him and these two disciples are concerned about the political climate in Israel. But we had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. But we had hoped. How often haven't you heard that phrase? How often haven't you used that phrase? But we had hoped that we would be pregnant by now. I was hoping that I would be better soon. I was hoping that I'd be able to get back to work. I'm hoping he asked me to the prom. We had hoped that the the chemo would get rid of the tumor. We were hoping to go on vacation, but now after the repairs on the car, we can't afford to do that. We were hoping to bring mom home from the hospital, but God had other plans. Words painted with disappointment. What we wanted didn't come. And what came, we didn't want. Hopelessness, despair, disappointment. The foundation of our world trembles. Our hopes are crushed. And the pilot light in our eyes goes out. There is no more deadening feeling than to live without hope. And so, we trudge along with these two disciples who are weak and heavy laden. 
and our sandals are dragging in the dust. Our shoulders are stooped. Our head is bowed. We are walking in defeat. We're wondering, what did we do to deserve such a plight? We ask, what kind of God lets us down like this? I had hoped that things would be better than this. And our eyes are so filled with tears and our perspective is so limited that we couldn't even recognize God if he was walking right alongside of us. You see, the problem for these two heavy-hearted disciples was not a lack of faith. It was a lack of vision. It wasn't a lack of hope, but it was that they had put their hope in the wrong place. These two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus that night had one thing on their minds, the cross. They had looked at what had happened and at everything that they had been hoping for, and they came to this conclusion, that the cross had ruined everything. That if it hadn't been for the cross, then everything was going along great. Fellow saints, we're not much different than these weak and heavy laden travelers, are, are we? We do things out of order, and then we wonder why our marriage struggles the way it is. We piously ask for God's will to be done, and then we pout when God's will is done because his will doesn't match our will. We take a week off from being in God's presence, and then we wonder why at the end of the week we are so physically and spiritually weak. We cut ourselves off from God's word and sacraments. And then we wonder why our children misbehave and disbelieve the way that they do. We want to be followers of Christ, but without the cross. We want to be faithful to Christ, but we don't want to suffer. We want the glory, but without the humility. We want the blessings without the burdens. Everything would be great if God would just remove those blasted and bothersome crosses. But God won't do that. He simply loves you too much to pamper you in your sin, to indulge you in your idolatry, to raise spoiled children. And so Jesus came to these two doubting and disappointed disciples and showed them how the cross was not a surprise, how the cross was not causing everything to spin out of control, that the cross was necessary, that his death on that cross was necessary. Not for ruin, but for good. Not to destroy hope, but to give hope. The cross was not the defeat that it appeared to be. But in actuality, it was the defeat of sin, death, and the devil. The cross was God's plan from the very beginning, from eternity. The cross was promised and prophesied throughout the pages of the Old Testament. The cross was what Jesus continued to teach about in the Gospels. And then Peter rebuked him for talking like that. The plan and victory was sealed and accomplished in his resurrection that very morning. And so these two disciples, they listened, and their hearts were burning within them, but they still didn't quite get it. They were thick-headed and heavy-hearted, like we often are. Because when you are on that road without hope, when you're in the thick of the struggle, 
You can hear the words, but it's hard to listen and believe in them. Our problem is not so much that God doesn't give us what we hope for. It's that we don't know the right thing to hope for. Because hope is not what you expect. Hope is not the end of your dreams. Hope is not the ending of a Disney princess movie. It is Jesus unpacking the word of God for you like he did with these two disciples so that your heart may burn within you so that he can melt your cold sinful heart and so that the Holy Spirit can create a burning faith and desire in that heart and you find this improbable and unbelievable hope when you look through the scriptures and what do you find you find a centennial Abraham with a newborn Isaac bouncing on his lap. You find Moses walking in bewilderment between two walls of Red Sea water. You see Joshua walking over the rubble of Jericho. You see David rocking the giant Goliath to sleep. You see Samson bringing the house down on the Philistines. You see Jonah waving goodbye to the giant fish that he had just been spat out of. You see Daniel petting a pride full of purring lions in the den. You see four men walking around a burning furnace. And you even see a teenage virgin who is pregnant with the very Son of God. Hope is these two Emmaus disciples reaching out to receive a piece of bread and then noticing that there's light shining through these huge gaping holes in the hands of the stranger. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And even though he had vanished, now they were not sad, for now they knew that Jesus was not really gone. Their faith was no longer in glory, but it was in that cross. Their faith was no longer downcast because of a corpse in the grave, but now they were joyful because the tomb was empty. They had found Jesus' promises in his word. And so they rushed to Jerusalem, no longer confused but certain, no longer sad but joyful, no longer struggling but now on a firm foundation. No longer hopeless, but now burning with hope. And we are too. For the good shepherd has come and found us who are weak and heavy laden. We are disciples that we, he finds us who are wandering sheep. And he has invited us here to come to his home where he is here with us. It is a refuge for weary pilgrims. And here, he stays with us. He is here, opening the scriptures so that we may hear and believe. He is here at the altar where he is both the priest and the sacrifice. He is here at the table where he is both the host and the meal. He is here handing out his bread, that's really his body, and giving you his wine, that is really his blood. Opening your eyes to see your sin. But even greater than that, opening your eyes to see him as the Savior from your sin. And so we come to this place week after week. We come weary and we leave refreshed. We come 
scared and depressed, but we leave with our hearts burning within us. We come without hope, questioning if God really cares for us, and we leave with the hope of knowing that our God is unfettered by time and space, and so he comes to sit, dine, and care for us. The road to Emmaus is a fascinating story. It is a story of the road of hope. Because Jesus would not waste his time with us along this road if there was no hope. We now have a new lease on life. Pretty perceptive, don't you think? Amen.